chapter eighty one of the adventures of peregrine pickle volume two by tobias smollett this librivox recording is in the public domain the memoirs of a lady of quality part sixteen when we were conveyed in a state of dreadful suspense about three-quarters of a mile into the wood the ruffians came into the coach and taking my keys which i kept ready in my hand for them opened three large trunks that contained my baggage and emptying them of everything but my hoops and a few books packed up their booty in a cloth then robbed me of my money and jewels even to my shoe-buckles and sleeve-buttons took my footman's laced hat and gave it by way of gratification to a peasant who came from behind the bushes and assisted them in packing this affair being dispatched they ordered us to return to the road by a different way from that in which we were carried into the wood and mounting their horses rode off with the plunder though not before the little fellow who was the least ferocious of the two had come and shaken me by the hand wishing us a good journey a compliment which i heartily returned being extremely well pleased with the retreat of two such companions who had detained us a whole half-hour during which notwithstanding the assurance i had received i was in continual apprehension of seeing their operation concluded with the murder of us all for i suppose they were of that gang who had some time before murdered a french officer and used a lady extremely ill after having rifled her of all she had having thus undergone pillage and being reduced to the extremity of indigence in a foreign land it is not to be supposed that my reflections were very comfortable and yet though i sustained the whole damage i was the only person in the company who bore the accident with any resolution and presence of mind my coachman and valet seemed quite petrified with fear and it was not till i had repeated my directions that the former drove farther into the wood and took the first turning to the right in order to regain the road according to the command of the robbers which i did not choose to disobey this misfortune i suffered by the misinformation i received at antwerp where i would have provided myself with an escort had not i been assured that there was not the least occasion to put myself in such extraordinary expense and indeed the robbers took the only half-hour in which they could have had an opportunity of plundering us for we no sooner returned into the highway than we met with the french artillery coming from brussels which was a security to us during the rest of our journey we were afterwards informed at a small village that there was actually a large gang of deserters who harboured in that wood from which they made excursions in the neighbourhood and kept the peasants in continual alarms having proceeded a little way we were stopped by the artillery crossing a bridge and as the train was very long must have been detained till night had not a soldier informed me that if i would take the trouble to come out of my coach and applied to the commandant he would order them to halt and allow me to pass i took the man's advice and was by him conducted with much difficulty through the crowd to some officers who seemed scarce to deserve the name for when i signified my request they neither rose up nor desired me to sit down but lolling in their chairs with one leg stretched out asked with an air of disrespectful raillery where i was going and when i answered to paris desired to know what i would do there 
i who am naturally civil where i am civilly used and saucy enough where i think myself treated with disregard was very much piqued at their insolent and unmannerly behaviour and began to reply to the impertinent questions very abruptly so that a very tart dialogue would have ensued had not the conversation been interrupted by a tall thin genteel young french nobleman an officer in the army who chancing to come in asked with great politeness what i would please to have i then repeated my desire and produced my passports by which he learned who i was he immediately gave orders that my coach should pass and afterwards visited me at paris having obtained my permission and taken my address at parting while the others understanding my name and quality asked pardon for their impolite carriage which they told me was owing to the representation of the soldier who gave them to understand that i was a strolling actress i could not help laughing heartily at this mistake which might have proceeded from the circumstances of my appearance my footman having been obliged to change hats with the peasant and myself being without buckles on my shoes and buttons on my riding-skirt while my countenance still retained marks of the fear and confusion i had undergone after all perhaps the fellow was a droll and wanted to entertain himself at my expense the day was so far consumed in these adventures that i was obliged to take up my lodgings at machelin where i addressed myself to the intendant giving him an account of the disaster i had met with and desiring i might have credit at the inn as our whole company could not raise the value of a sixpence this gentleman though a provincial was polite in his way and not only granted my request but invited me to lodge at his own house i accordingly gave him my company at supper but did not choose to sleep at his quarters because he appeared to be what the french call un vieux deboche next day he sent a trumpet to the general with a detail of my misfortune in hopes of retrieving what i had lost but notwithstanding all possible search i was fain to put up with my damage which in linen laces clothes and baubles amounted to upwards of seven hundred pounds a loss which never deprived me of one moment's rest for though i lodged at a miserable inn and lay in a paltry bed i slept as sound as if nothing extraordinary had happened after i had written to london and paris directing that the payment of my bills of credit might be stopped indeed i know of but two misfortunes in life capable of depressing my spirits namely the loss of health and friends all others may be prevented or endured the articles of that calamity which i chiefly regretted were a picture of lord w with some inimitable letters from mr b from machelin i proceeded to brussels where being known i got credit for some necessaries and borrowed twenty guineas to defray the expense of my journey to paris having consulted with my friends about the safest method of travelling through flanders i was persuaded to take places in the public voiture and accordingly departed not without fears of finding one part of the country as much infested with robbers as another nor were these apprehensions assuaged by the conversation of my fellow-travellers who being of the lower sort of people that delight in exaggerating dangers entertained me all the way with an account of all the robberies and murders which had been committed on that road with many additional circumstances of their own invention 
after having been two days exposed to this comfortable conversation among very disagreeable company which is certainly one of the most disagreeable situations in life i arrived at liesel where thinking the dangerous part of the journey was now past i hired a post-chaise and in two days more reached paris without any further molestation upon my arrival in the capital i was immediately visited by my old acquaintances who hearing my disaster offered me their clothes and insisted upon my wearing them until i could be otherwise provided they likewise engaged me in parties with a view of amusing my imagination that i might not grow melancholy in reflecting upon my loss and desired me to repeat the particulars of my story forty times over expressing great surprise at our not being murdered or ravished at least as for this last species of outrage the fear of it never once entered my head otherwise i should have been more shocked and alarmed than i really was but it seems this was the chief circumstance of my companion's apprehension and i cannot help observing that a homely woman is always more apt to entertain those fears than one whose person exposes her to much more imminent danger however i now learned that the risk i ran was much greater than i imagined it to be those ruffings being familiarized to rape as well as murder soon after my appearance at paris i was favoured with the addresses of several french lovers but i never had any taste for foreigners or indeed for any amusement of that kind except such as were likely to be lasting and settled upon a more agreeable footing than that of common gallantry when i deviated from this principle my conduct was the effect of compulsion and therefore i was never easy under it having been reduced to the alternative of two evils the least of which i was obliged to choose as a man leaps into the sea in order to escape from a ship that is on fire though i rejected their love i did not refuse their company and conversation and though my health was considerably impaired by the shock i received in my last adventure which was considerably greater than i at first imagined and affected my companion so much that she did not recover her spirits till she returned to england i say though i was for some time a valetudinarian i enjoyed myself in great tranquillity for the space of ten months during which i was visited by english scotch and french of all parties and persuasions for pleasure is of no faction and that was the chief object of my pursuit neither was i so ambitious of being a politician as to employ my time and thoughts upon subjects which i did not understand i had admirers of all sides and should have spent my time very much to my liking had not i felt my funds sensibly diminish without any prospect of their being repaired for i had been obliged to lay out a great part of the sum allotted for my subsistence in supplying my companion my servant and myself with necessaries in lieu of those which we had lost having before my eyes the uncomfortable prospect of wanting money in a strange place i found myself under the necessity of returning to england where i had more resources than i could possibly have among foreigners and with that view wrote to lord blank's agents desiring that i might be enabled to discharge my obligations at paris by the payment of my pin-money thus a negotiation commenced and his lordship promised to remit money for the clearance of my paris debts which amounted to four hundred pounds but he would not advance one farthing more though i gave him to understand that while he protracted the agreement i must inevitably be adding to my encumbrances and that i should be as effectually detained by a debt of twenty pounds as if i owed a thousand 
notwithstanding all my representations he would not part with one shilling over the net sum which i at first stipulated so that all my measures were rendered abortive and i found it altogether impracticable to execute those resolutions i had formed in his favour thus did he for a mere trifle embarrass the woman for whom he professed the most unlimited love and whose principles he pretended to hold in the utmost veneration indeed his confidence in my integrity was not without foundation for many wives with one half of my provocation would have ruined him to all intents and purposes whereas notwithstanding all the extraordinary expenses to which i had been exposed by his continual persecution he never paid a shilling on my account except one thousand pounds exclusive of the small allowance which was my due in a word so much time elapsed before my lord could prevail upon himself to advance the bare four hundred that i was involved in fresh difficulties from which i found it impossible to extricate myself and though i had occasion to write a letter to my benefactor lord blank in which i expressed my acknowledgment of past favours i could not venture to solicit more even when i was encouraged by a very obliging answer wherein he declared that the good qualities of my mind and heart would bind him to me in friendship for ever while i ruminated on my uncomfortable situation which would neither permit me to return to england nor to stay much longer where i was a young englishman of immense fortune took paris in his way from italy accompanied by a most agreeable scotchman of very good sense and great vivacity it was my good or ill fortune to become acquainted with these gentlemen who having seen me at the opera expressed a desire of being known to me and accordingly favoured me with a visit one afternoon when the brisk north briton engrossed the whole conversation while the other seemed fearful and diffident even to a degree of bashfulness through which however i could discern a delicate sensibility and an uncommon understanding there was in his person which was very agreeable as well as in his behaviour a certain naivete that was very pleasing and at this first interview we relished each other's company so well that a sort of intimacy immediately commenced and was carried on in a succession of parties of pleasure in the course of which i found him fraught with all the tenderness and sentiment that render the heart susceptible of the most refined love a disposition that immediately made me partial to him while it subjected his own heart to all the violent impressions of a passion which i little imagined our correspondence would have produced nevertheless i was far from being displeased with my conquest because his person and qualifications as well as his manner of address were very much to my liking and recommended him in a particular manner to my affection indeed he made greater progress in my heart than i myself suspected for there was something congenial in our souls which from our first meeting i believe had attracted us unknown to ourselves under the notions of friendship and regard and now disclosed itself in the most passionate love i listened to his addresses and we were truly happy his attachment was the quintessence of tenderness and sincerity while his generosity knew no bounds not contented with having paid twelve hundred pounds on my account in the space of one fortnight he would have loaded me with present after present had i not absolutely refused to accept such expensive marks of his munificence i was even mortified at those instances of his liberality which my situation compelled me to receive lest being but little acquainted with my disposition he should suspect me of being interested in my love and judge my conduct by the malicious reports of common fame which he afterwards owned had at first obtained such credit with him that he believed our mutual attachment would not be of long duration 
but in this particular he was soon undeceived his heart though naturally adapted for the melting passion had hitherto escaped untouched by all the ladies of italy and france and therefore the first impressions were the more deeply fixed as he was unpractised in the ways of common gallantry and deceit the striking simplicity in his character was the more likely to engage the heart of one who knew the perfidy of the world and despised all the farce and bombast of fashionable profession which i had always considered as the phrase of vanity and ostentation rather than the genuine language of love besides gratitude had a considerable share in augmenting my affection which manifested itself in such a warm cordial artless manner as increased his esteem and riveted his attachment for he could easily perceive from the whole tenor of my conduct that my breast was an utter stranger to craft and dissimulation yet i was at first fearful of contracting any engagement with him because being younger than me he might be more apt to change and the world might be malicious enough to suppose i had practised upon his inexperience but conscious of my own integrity i set slander at defiance trusting to my own behaviour and his natural probity for the continuance of his love though we did not live together in the same house the greatest part of our time was spent in each other's company we dined and supped at the same table frequented public places went upon parties to the country and never parted but for a few hours in the night which we passed in the utmost impatience to meet again in this agreeable manner did the days roll on when my felicity was interrupted by a fit of jealousy with which i happened to be seized i had contracted an acquaintance with a young married lady who though her personal attractions were but slender was upon the whole an agreeable cheerful good-natured companion with a little dash of the coquette in her composition this woman being in very indigent circumstances occasioned by some losses her husband had sustained no sooner had an opportunity of seeing and conversing with my lover than she formed the design of making a conquest of him i should have forgiven her for this scheme whatever pangs it might have cost me had i believed it the effect of real passion but i knew her too well to suppose her heart was susceptible of love and accordingly resented it in the execution of her plan she neglected nothing which she thought capable of engaging his attention she took all opportunities of sitting near him at table ogled him in the most palpable manner directed her whole discourse to him trod upon his toes nay i believe squeezed his hand my blood boiled at her though my pride for some time enabled me to conceal my uneasiness till at length her behaviour became so arrogant and gross that i could no longer suppress my indignation and one day told my lover that i would immediately renounce his correspondence he was greatly alarmed at this unexpected declaration and when he understood the cause of it assured me that for the future he would never exchange one word with her satisfied with this mark of his sincerity and regard i released him from his promise which he could not possibly keep while she and i lived upon any terms and we continued to visit each other as usual though she still persisted in her endeavours to rival me in his affection and contracted an intimacy with his companion who seemed to entertain a passion for her that she might have the more frequent opportunities of being among us for she had no objection against favouring the addresses of both one evening i remember we set out in my coach for the opera and in the way this inamorata was so busy with her feet that i was incensed at her behaviour and when we arrived at the place refused to alight but setting them down declared my intention of returning home immediately 
she was so much pleased with this intimation that she could not conceal the joy she felt at the thoughts of conversing with him uninterrupted by my presence an opportunity with which i had never favoured her before this open exultation increased my anger and anxiety i went home but being still tortured with the reflection of having left them together adjusted myself in the glass though i was too angry to take notice of my own figure and without further delay returned to the opera having inquired for the box in which they sat i took possession of one that fronted them and reconnoitring them without being perceived had the satisfaction of seeing him removed to as great a distance from her as the place would permit and his head turned another way composed by this examination i joined them without further scruple when my young gentleman expressed great joy at my appearance and told me he was determined to have left the entertainment and come in quest of me had i not returned at that instant in our way homewards my rival repeated her usual hints and with her large hoop almost overshadowed my lover from my view upon which my jealousy and wrath recurred with such violence that i pulled the string as a signal for the coachman to stop with a view of getting out and going home afoot a step which would have afforded a new spectacle to the people of paris but i reflected in a moment upon the folly of such a resolution and soon recollected myself by calling my pride to my assistance i determined however that she should act no more scenes of this kind in my presence and that same night insisted upon my lover's dropping all intercourse and connection with this tormentor he very cheerfully complied with my desire and was even glad of an occasion to break off his acquaintance with a person about whom i had plagued him so much thus was i freed from the persecution of one of those creatures who thought of little consequence in themselves are yet the pests of society and find means to destroy that harmony which reigns between two lovers by the intrusion of a loose appetite void of all sensibility and discretion having no feelings themselves they cannot sympathize with those of other people and do mischief out of mere wantonness End of chapter eighty one the memoirs of a lady of quality part sixteen